0: All right, welcome everybody to episode 136 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we look back on the MXGP of Flanders at Lommel and look ahead to the next round in Finland. I'm Ed Stratman, your host, and before we welcome special guest Lorenzo Rester in, we'd firstly like to thank our sponsors, Part 1 in Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Belandrin, Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador, Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out that website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. We're sure there is one close to you. All right, mate, Lorenzo Resta, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us again. How was your weekend and how's life?
1: Welcome, mate. Uh, it's really good. It has been a fantastically fresh weekend. Uh, I was probably the happiest on track as it was raining. <laughs> because uh, I was coming from 42, 43 degrees uh, Celsius, of course, uh, in uh, in Rome. Uh, the day before I left for uh, Lommel, I was walking in Rome, and the asphalt was honestly really uh, melting under my feet. So going there for uh, a good uh, weekend of uh, 12, 13, the, the lowest one, and 21, 22, the highest temperature, it was really, really good. So I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed uh, the weather. I enjoyed the rain, even if it looks like a little bit... It sounds strange, but it was really like, you know, I was in the middle of the track, open arms and say, ah, come on, rain on me. Because uh, at the moment, the rain in Rome is really like uh, an idea for our next autumn. Uh, There's nothing for fall. There's nothing for now. And, uh, okay, now it's going a little bit better, but Italy is split it in two. Now, north is under rain, heavy rain. Ice storm, thunderstorm, windstorm. The south is literally on fire. And uh, even uh, Patti, was the hometown of Tony Cairoli, was completely burning. I mean, not the town, likely, but uh a a lot of the part of the countryside Uh, i saw some images uh, from the sea recorded by the night it was horrible honestly a place that we know very well because we go there every year with tony for tony kairoli and friends even the place where chase was uh at his bottom uh, last year was on fire and it was honestly A lot of houses were destroyed, a lot of activities, a lot of little industries. So it's a nightmare. Luckily now, uh, the temperatures are going a little bit down and uh, they're able to control a little bit of fire. But yesterday, the wind was so strong, they could not reach the places uh, on fire with airplanes or helicopters. So only by ground and it wasn't easy at all. My daughter also is down there, so I was a little bit concerned also about this. But luckily at the moment, looks is quite good but uh, you know Catania that is one of the biggest town in Sicily the airport was on fire Uh, Palermo uh, all around the biggest city in Sicily was on fire all around the city airport everything so no flights honestly really difficult situation so being in the fresh uh, nice temperature of uh, Lomella under a cloudy sky with uh, little rain was a salvation so it was okay uh, and the track. Uh, I think uh, we're going to talk about the track, because that was the probably biggest news uh, of uh, the weekend, as I'm going there since the first event in uh, 2008. First event of the modern era. I will uh, uh, be clear about this, uh, because the first GP was in the in uh, 1990, and I wasn't there. I mean, I could... <laughs> But I was doing something else. My first GP in Lomel was in 2008 uh, as is the first GP in Lomel of the new era. Since that time we went there a lot of times, a uh, lot of uh, venues uh, and the track uh, has changed a little bit through the years, but now it was a while that it was always uh, similar. This time was completely new and I'm happy because they did a great job, uh, even if, uh, you know, some commentary the riders had different ideas. But most of the riders really agreed about uh, uh, the new layout of the track.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting one. I've spoken to Elzinger and Lars van Berkel this week and they said yeah, it was pretty cool, but it was quite difficult to keep the momentum with all the 180 turns and those wave sections. It was really, really hard work and very demanding. If you lost your flow, you really struggled yeah. to sort of pick it up again. But yeah, there was some pretty differing opinions and stuff. But what did you hear around the paddock, mate? And yeah, it was certainly a good test for him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was
1: absolutely really demanding. It was probably the most physical... Uh... Uh, long mill of the past years as uh, the track was really slow. And uh, what it means that uh, with a lot of uh, 180 corners, so you were almost uh, all-time cornering. And if the track is low in the sand, it means that uh, you brake, then you open your throttle again. And every time you open the throttle, you dig into the sand. Uh, So you... Push some sand behind you, making like a new bump, and you dig a new hole. So, at the end of the weekend, the track was completely full of uh, bumps and holes, some ruts, but not that deep, I have to say. But the holes and the the bumps were so high and low that that makes uh, uh, a, a strange track to ride. I mean, difficult to take a good flow for some of the riders was almost impossible and the track was really, deep, really physical. So not so technical, even if some of the riders said the track is really technical, like Romain and Glenn, Glenn Koldenov, they said the track was really uh, technical, but some of the uh, best sand riders, like for example, Prado said the technical side wasn't that important. It was more on the physical because you were always going down and up and down and up and have to ride your bike really like an horse, you know. So a lot of work with legs, a lot of work with arms, a lot of high uh, heart rate. Uh, This makes the the most difficult. Uh, Orge was doing uh, quite a good job. He wasn't pushing for the whole weekend. He was pushing a couple of times only. In time practice, he was pushing to get a good uh, uh, starting gate. Uh, last lap of the first moto, it was really pushing. 2.09 compared to some 2.15. 2.15, I mean, it was a, a big gap, you know. And he, he was using that just to recover a couple of places coming from five to third. That was really useful for his uh, 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 final position on the on the podium, and the second moto was pushing again, probably like the first lap and the last lap. When he saw Roman coming so so strongly, he was just pushing a little bit, but he never pushed really hard because, as we said previously, a lot of times, he's prob his problem. I mean, we are talking about someone that has almost 100 points of advantage compared to the second, so talking about the problem is a little bit like sounds wide, but uh, he, he is uh, not so strong point, is the physical really the strong. So at the end of the motto, he needs to really be focused on what he do to don't make mistakes. It, it was like curious situation as he did his some of his first mistakes in the qualifying race, uh, what he, everyone was expecting, that he could win so easily. But he did a couple of uh, like silly mistakes uh, that uh, uh, put him down in fifth. Uh, uh, that wasn't ideal from his point of view. But then if you look at the standings, it wasn't that dramatic. Then first motto he was recovering well to the third place and the second moto with the, that good start he was able to you know manage and is one of the few victories in second moto for uh yeah. for org uh yeah just second one exactly uh, as you say and, uh, and and that's important because on the most difficult track fee on, on the physical point of view to win it's uh of course is, is a good point uh, we have also to honestly say that he won because Roman had that incredibly bad start. Otherwise, I don't think that Orge could win, even just because he's managing with his points, you know. He's not really fighting uh, physically, like uh, elbow to elbow with, with with Roman. You know that he needs to avoid those kind of... Uh, uh, troubles and to be out of troubles and to just manage with the big advantage that he that has at the moment. So it was interesting uh, because some of the riders said, yeah, that track was really good, really different. Some others said, yeah, it's, it's good, but still uh, not enough technical, but and, and the flow, like uh, for example, Simon Langefelder was talking about the flow, said I wasn't surfing the sand Mm. I'm really happy because I did much better than last year. So to me, the track, the changes were perfect because uh, I was able to, to ride pretty well, but honestly not really able to surf the sand like we're supposed to do in Lommel. So it was more about uh, throttle on-off, on-off, and uh, 180 degrees corners. And uh, But overall, it uh, was really nice for the spectators as they are like in a stadium now yeah. all around the track they can see almost all the actions and the track is like almost splitted in two by the spectators that can come in the middle of the track to look what happened inside and it's not really nice for the photographers that have to walk around because you cannot cross there you have to just make all the tour or, or come back uh but for pictures point of view was really good uh, i got some some of the the best shot of shots of the, the year at the moment, as it was is really interesting where you can shot the riders without so many panels behind, with some nice action, sand uh, going like uh, uh, in the air and stuff like that. So it's always nice to to take pictures in in Lombard because also everything can happen. Uh, uh, one lap from the other,
0: the track is changing, some riders are crashing, and honestly it's really interesting on this side. Yeah, it was fascinating, mate. And like you said, with the flow and, and those points you made, it was really well said. It's a lot of guys were saying, you know, they're always used to just, you know, hopping bumps, wheel tapping, different sections. Like obviously some of them yeah. did, but the guys I spoke to said it was really difficult to do that. It just, the, the way it developed, it was, yeah, it was just so difficult to to piece together sections and laps as efficiently as they might do otherwise, those sand experts. And just a couple more pieces on Prado, like you said, second, second moto win, and he just keeps banking the points, doing what he has to within his limits, which is, you know, he's still got a massive lead, but. An interesting stat Paul Piercy sent me was in terms of his laps led, he's led a total yeah. of 148 laps, and only, you know, 34 of those have been in the second motor and 114 of them in the first motor. So it just shows his approach, <laughs> I guess, and his mindset to the weekends and how he's just getting those qualifying race wins. He's obviously had yeah. eight of them and and his first lap position is two point zero seven. So could you put yourself in any better position than that, mate? No, I don't think. I think it's uh,
1: probably the best position ever that he can uh, he can be at the moment. Uh, it's, it's really interesting also to see a lot of uh, different aspects of, uh, of this kind of... Uh, I mean, it looks like uh, a little bit. Jorge is really like, uh, uh, I don't know, managing his title. You know, like he started with a project uh, once he knew that... Uh, uh, there, are, there were qualifying races uh, with points and everything. Everything looks like it's really planned, you know, uh, making good lap time, good start, uh, winning or doing top three in a qualifying moto, and then good first moto, probably winning moto, and then second moto, just managing to avoid too many troubles. Uh, victories are not at the moment uh, the key uh, for uh for Jorge, victories of the GP, I'm talking about. Um, for him, the the target is to gain as much pos- as much point as possible at every weekend, and it's working very well. It reminds me, as I told you last time, about a little bit uh, how they uh, were managing Tony at the beginning. You know, say, it doesn't matter if you win the GP or not. It doesn't matter if you are always first or not. The most important is to avoid mistakes and collect really solid points. And and that's really uh, the key. It was really interesting in the press conference uh, what um, Jorge said. He said it was the toughest track I rode this year for me, for my uh, uh, kind of riding. Um, Just probably only Leerop uh, during the Dutch championship was worse than this. And that says a lot. And I was also thinking about a different... Because then Romain was happy about the track. And Glenn was really happy about the track. So I was like considering if there is a, a kind of generational gap, generation gap, because Orge is the youngest there, uh, he's one of uh, the few really young riders that are in MXGP. And uh, Romain and, uh, and Glenn, uh, they have uh, approximately the same kind of experience. So I, I, I'm asking myself if, in effect, this track uh, bring back a little bit about some kind of uh, uh, sand riding that they know better. And for Jorge, who is a pure talent, eh? because uh, don't don't forget that Jorge is uh, still, uh, uh, he has the record of uh, victories on Lommel with four GPs, three on a mixed two, one on a mix GP. He, he did Lommel as his first race, always. Then the first Lommel he did, he could not compete because he had a broken ankle, but he wanted to ride. And so I think he did like a, a, some, some uh, time practice before then saying, No, I cannot. But uh, it, it's a kind of paradise for him. He's one of the few places where he really can do a big difference. Uh, he was winning in 20. 20, I think, uh, last time, probably first with GP, and he was COVID sick. So he 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 didn't have the the, the strength to, to fight, and I remember him. At the end of the race, he was completely destroyed, and then he had to give up on the championship at that point, just after that race. But he wanted to race, he wanted to, uh, before getting tested positive, of course, and uh, it was able to, you know, surf and save energies because once you surf on the sand, you save energy. Uh, you 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 are not so much uh, uh, concerned physically, but once you you're not able to surf the sand and you get down into the holes and back on the top and you go on the soft and on the soft the bike is going down and you need always to keep your front wheel high. Wow, I, I'm I'm getting tired just to 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 tell you, you know. So imagine on the bike what uh, what this can uh, can make in your body. I don't think honestly that there is any other sport more violent and more demanding on your body than riding motocross bike in Lommel or Riola or Liro. I mean, we are talking about sand riding. It's really really demanding. So at the end, I have to say that even if Roman was the first vi- fourth victory in a row, what put him on a gota of a Kawasaki rider because nobody was able to win and uh, what we call in Italy the queen class. The the, uh, the first uh, class, you know, how do you want to say? 500 to stroke or 250 to stroke in the early times and then in the latest time, sorry, and then now MX1, MXGP. Nobody was able to do the same with a Kawasaki. It was, to me, is still a mystery why He's not signing with Kawasaki or Kawasaki is not just covering him with gold. I don't (laughs) know why, because anyway, even with a really tough start of the season uh, with uh, surgery on the arms and all those uh, stuff that we know, now he's able to, yeah, I would say, contend the title to Jorge because we have still six races uh, uh, to the end And the Romani is always there. He's always winning. Of course, he's not gaining so many points. Seven points in four races. With this trend, Jorge will win the title with 60 or something points. But he's there. And if Jorge made a mistake, he's there. So it's really important. And uh, yeah, I don't understand what is happening at the moment. Many voices, many noises, many rumors going around about Siwera in Kawasaki, maybe with Favre, Favre not in Kawasaki, Favre back in Yama. Mm. Renault is getting crazy about this, saying, no, I don't want uh, Favre in the team with me because he's a fucking French, like me. Oh, shit, not. I'm also (laughs) French. Plenty of uh, rumours going around. Uh, But, yeah, honestly, if I was uh, Kawasaki not team manager because he doesn't have the wallet in his arms, but uh, in his hands, but uh, if I was a, the boss of Kawasaki Europe or whatever, Steve Goodridge, or I don't know, I would say, come on, this, this guy is deserving at least second rider place in the team. I don't know, but he is he, just showing, you know, that is, uh... then he's, of course, is his moment uh, when in the press conference uh, he said uh, um, that uh, the second Moto, he was able to do a race like probably only. Uh, Jeffrey Erlings uh, could be able yeah. to. Do. That was a little bit too much for me to her because, uh, yeah, I'm used to see what Jeffrey Erlings is able to do since he was a kid. I'm, uh, I know, I remember what Tony was able to do with what Stefan was able to do. So, hat off what Roman did in the second moto. But I'm still one of the few that probably thinks, okay, it's Roman Favre, it's a French rider. It's not that good in the sand. It is, of course. Mm. We saw it. We saw it in 2021. We saw it this year. It was a fantastic rider. I don't want to take nothing out of Roman, but still make, uh, yeah,
0: just, you know, comparison with Jeffrey Erlings in the sand is, whoa, okay. (laughs) <laughs> it see. was definitely a special performance mate you know the speed to actually get through the pack there's very few men that can do that at mxgp and especially on a circuit like that to make it even more demanding and treacherous it was yeah yeah it was a masterclass for sure and yeah four straight it, that doesn't happen all the time and He's up to now 116 laps led, mate so but his split is pretty much even between first and the second moto for leading so he's yeah. just got he's just got to chip away at it and and fingers crossed but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out there was a few talks about one year contract then maybe triumph for him did you hear stuff like that too Yeah I heard a lot I heard that uh, he was refusing a one year contract uh, then
1: I was talking with his manager. They said, no, it's what we want. One year contract, but he proposed only two years. Then I was speaking with other people. that so said, yeah, but nobody's looking for a different bike. Maybe a white bike, a factory 450 coming from Austria, but completely white. If you know, you know. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I asked him, honestly, during the press conference, I said him, you are the the the, the key of the Silly season. You are the key of the riders' market. I mean, once he will take a decision, and or someone will uh, say yes to his proposal, this will change completely the season, the silly season. I mean, everyone from that moment uh, will move one side or another one. But he is really uh, everyone is waiting for him. Uh, I think that we will not get so far. I think that probably 1st of August uh, is the terms of most of the options in the paddock. So it's a question to wait a weekend uh, to know a little bit more. And then we will see if we have to wait September, October for some announcement the official announcement. But uh, for the rest, I think that next week uh, we will know much, much more. It's interesting to to say that uh, he said that he's absolutely not concerned during the race weekend uh, about uh, those noises, rumours and stuff. He do his job and he said, I'm in the best position possible because anyway, I'm winning and I'm receiving offers so I can choose. And that's, of course, the best position a rider can be. On the other hand, he said, during the week, when I'm home, when I'm training, when I'm preparing, he's a little bit annoying because I have a lot of phone calls, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so this can be a little bit, but it doesn't look that his effect uh, in any terms, Is riding, that is still fantastic because uh, he's winning his fourth race in a row. I don't see any. I mean, big obstacle for the fifth one, you know? So poker was done. Maybe now we go for the f- fifth. So uh, it's it's possible. Who knows? Uh, I'm just asking myself where he can stop. Because the longest uh, uh, victory is uh, straight. Um, it's probably another French rider that uh, has it with Kawasaki. Back in the '90s, uh, Sebastian Tortelli, while he was winning 11 of the 12 ride uh, race of that uh, championship or something like that, and he get seven victories in a row. So let's see, we are at four. We missed three to equal the record.
0: Uh, maybe more. I don't know. It's interesting. I think that's something he can achieve. And yeah, why not? Because Crado is doing his thing intelligently, managing it in a calculated fashion. So Fevre is kind of the the top guy and he's on fine form and he just keeps bumping that price up for him, adding a few more digits (laughs) on the end there for sure, mate. But another man I wanted to get your take on was Koldenov, another fine showing. He's been really impressive really through the whole year. Had a little bump in the road around France, Spain time where things weren't so good. But uh, yeah, he's been really good. The speed was impressive won the qualifying race for his first, you know, pole position of the year. So obviously he would probably wanted to you yeah, really get the win in front of those sort of fans in that environment that he knows well, even though it's not a home GP that's coming. But yeah, there must be plenty of talk about him going around with what his future holds because he's clearly got so much left in the tank. And for any team, he'd be a great asset with the professionalism, the knowledge of the bike, the knowledge of everything, the tracks, the situations, so much, you know, positives attached to him, isn't there?
1: Yeah, um... My question is: uh, Was Glenn really completely happy and satisfied about his Lommel? I mean, once you win your first qualifying race of the year and is in Lommel, and you show that you can be quite dominant, uh, your technique in the sand is uh, everyone knows, of course. Uh, uh, with some rain, uh, gets even better for him, uh, and then you start in a lot in front of your. Rival. I mean, I'm talking about uh, Romain, who is a French rider, specialist about the hard pack and stuff like that. And you get past at the end of the race in such an easy way. Can you be really completely satisfied? I don't know. Anyway, he did a very good race. He was beating his uh, teammate. That was the point, I guess. Because after Lockett, uh, there was some little friction in between teammates. A lot of respect. But you know, nobody is like going for sales in this time so uh, everyone wants to take the biggest uh, 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 prize Uh, doesn't matter if he's a friend a teammate or whatever so it, it was interesting to see that he really wanted to first of all beat his teammates then okay going for the biggest picture but uh, the most of uh, was uh, uh, going doing better than uh, than Seward, who did a lot of mistakes uh, because Jeremy was able to ride pretty well. He never won in Lommel, uh, so that's an important uh, statistic for him. But uh, I think that somehow, somewhere in the little uh, uh, part of their heart, both. Coldenoff and and were a little bit disappointed at the end of the race because they felt like, okay, I can be there. Once you you won a motto in Locket and you are a sand rider, 100 percent you go to Lommel and you, you are thinking about that. You in your mind must be this like, oh, maybe I can again win a GP. But there were there was a little lack of speed. And of also of stamina endurance at the end of the moto in all the motos. So I was a little bit, uh, I have to say, disappointed is a big word eh, because uh, they all the ride of the top six riders. I say tip, top six because the sixth place there is Alberto Forato. So the top yeah. six riders were doing great, fantastic job. So in this way, I have to say that everyone did a good job, but still there's this kind of, you know, little uh, uh, shades of uh, of colors that uh, are going around in between a third and fourth and fifth place. Uh, so if for Alberto a sixth place is almost uh, a podium, for uh, someone like uh, Vlanderen in the sand, a fifth place is almost like losing. So um, it's it's a mixed feeling, I guess. The biggest news, probably, of the weekend, uh, you know what it was, uh, because this is big. Uh, are you ready, Ed? I'm ready. Next year, nothing will change in a mixed GP with Yamaha. Shh, I didn't said nothing. Uh. Oh. Uh, 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 I <laughs> said nothing. But... Big meetings uh, were <laughs> uh, uh, in place in Lommel. lot of uh, top men, top managers were coming there to solve the problem. And maybe at the end, we will finish with nothing will change. Oh, okay. So this will be really interesting because, of course, we know that Iago have to move in MXGP. I don't think that he will change his team just because he's going very well with Michele Lavetti, with his team, with his mechanics, everything. It would be strange, you know, to ch- change and to switch. I oh I I was living in a situation like that in the past when uh, um team geyser won his first title in MX2. He got to move in the MX MX team the next year because Japan was requiring this. The Japanese wanted him to ride as a world champion in the MXGP. GP. Team wasn't feeling at all to be ready to do this. He said, No, I'm too young. And the Japanese were, you know, pushing a lot, saying, No, you knew, you must, you must, because you are the world champion and we want a world champion GP." And he accepted, but just one condition to stick with Garibaldi team. This was the beginning of uh, the end of Martin Honda and the beginning of the history of uh, Garibaldi Honda, as we know it today, as the main HRC team, the big uh, HRC team. So uh, I think it could be a little bit the same with Iago, as if Iago will win the title or not, doesn't matter. He will ride MXGP, he will ride with Yamaha. I don't think he will change his team. But on the other hand, the other team... Will remain. And that's changed. This changed a lot. The market of the riders, yeah, two riders, three riders, who knows? But it's uh, an important, really, really important uh, match that has still to be played, you know? And uh, nothing is is done already. And uh, honestly, I'm happy because I, I like a lot uh, the, the guys of uh, the Vilvo Yamaha team. Uh, I heard that they, they, there was a lack of. Uh, Preparation of the bike, a lack of uh, a lot of things. Uh, complaining from the riders, but I have to say, when you see the bikes, when you see how the riders are doing during the week, and uh, I don't know, it looks uh, quite good. And I know, I know personally, uh, also Louis Vosters, uh, and I think that is a really committed person, a really passionate person, and uh, uh, as we used to see, to say. In Italy, is a gentleman, so uh, we 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 will see what uh, what the future brings, you know. But something different.
0: Oh, that's very impressive, mate. Just uh, yeah, we'll certainly watch this space with interest when we get an official announcement or some some more news. It'll be pretty cool to hear. And just a quick one before we talk back to the racing. Just talk about the Yamaha. The, the livery was pretty awesome. You know, the, the bike graphics looked really good. The kits looked really great. And how were the fans, mate? They must have been right into it. Lommel's always a special one, isn't it? Yeah, if uh,
1: first time I I, I tell you what, what I was thinking first time that I saw the bike was on Saturday evening. I was just randomly going on uh, on the web, on Instagram, on stuff, and then uh, one picture of Sewer bike popped off, uh, and my my reaction was just, oh "My God, that's so beautiful!" That that was this. So if and uh, that's me, you know. So I can imagine the fans. I mean, yeah. I'm a little bit used to see a lot of. Nice things, nice liveries, nice stuff. Lombard is quite uh, a good place where to do this. Uh, you remember uh, in the past with uh, the Suzuki team when they did uh, the fantastic nice bike uh, with the old livery. I think it was already with Stefan Evers managing and with maybe Kevin Stribos and, uh, and I don't know if it was Arminas Giacicone or else, but the bike was so nice. So that's the right place where to do it, but I have to say that those bikes were looking like oh my god so nice clothing were perfect yeah the pine stars were really perfect also the mixed two team yeah was looking great but the bikes you can really like uh uh see from far away and say oh yeah look 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 they're coming so it was good to 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 see those bikes i Honestly, okay, if we do every weekend something like that, then we get used to it and it's not anymore so cool. But sometimes we really need stuff like that because uh, those bikes are uh, really really cool. They remind us that we don't invite they don't in, we don't invent nothing anymore. We have to look uh, to our past, to our roots <laughs> and uh, to what was really cool and those were the 90s. Even if the bike is for the 50th anniversary, but the livery was coming uh, for the 90s. I just was hoping that uh, we also get uh, those uh, fantastic, like purple rims on the bike, like, yeah. like in America. Yeah. The, yeah, that was so cool. But anyway, it was cool. And that's the most important. We are heading to Finland, where last year the podium of MXGP was completely blue. I remember with special gears from Alpine Star, everything was. was Everything was blue in MXGP, even if the title was then won by a red bike, red rider, and it was the fifth uh, title for uh, Mr. uh, uh, Tim Geiser. But anyway, uh, we are heading there, and uh,
0: those kind of liveries were great to celebrate uh, Lommel, I guess. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see, mate. Just a couple of words on, you know, see where he's obviously starts have been so good this year. He's u- he's upping towards, you know, 10 hole shots, which is just so impressive. So I think that's a bit of a source of frustration for him that he hasn't converted that into more podium yes. wins because he is such a great rider and he's so fun to watch. And, you know, he's always in great condition. So it's probably a little bit, you know, annoying for him personally because he is so good and, you know, he knows Lommel so well. So he probably would definitely have been expecting to get on the podium at least. But, yeah, good speed and just... More points, but, you know, he'll, he'll want more from that. And Philandrin, just a couple of numbers on him, mate. Just, yeah, scored points in every qualifying race except one top 10 overall in every round. You know, only three motos outside the top 10 with the lowest of 12. And, you know, that's a pretty impressive effort when you consider his average first lap position is 8.46 and 7.3 in the quality races. So we're sort of running out of praise for Calvin in a lot of ways. Obviously, last weekend was great for him too, but it's nothing short of impressive what he's doing. And there's a strong possibility he'll end up without a factory ride again, which is sort of baffling. But surely by the time Ducati and Triumph come around, he'll be in a prime position for that mate. But either way, he's proving the program works, even though he said he was maybe struggling for a little bit of power on that surface this weekend compared to some of the other bikes, because it was just so deep and heavy, like you said. But we need to talk Ferrato as well, mate. Yeah, how was his weekend? It was amazing by Ferrato, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was. Uh, talking about uh,
1: Seward and and, Blunder, and you said everything almost because, yeah, I mean, Seward, I think, must have been a little bit frustrated about uh, it. Didn't, it wasn't able to convert this kind of uh, speed, this kind of uh, uh, good starts in good results. So once you start uh, first uh, in MXGP, okay, the victory is always tough, but you got finished at least in the top three every time. Uh, his teammate was better than him. Parlo was, uh, F- was better than him. Fevre was better than him. It's not easy. I met him at the end of uh, the first moto, and he was quite disappointed. I could say. Uh, he said to me uh, some Italian words that I cannot repeat, uh, but they were really honestly. <laughs> they they said a lot, and uh, it's a shame because uh, because I really can feel the pain, you know, really uh, the deep pain of uh, of uh, Jeremy to do not be able to to fight for the victories, not for the podium. He deserved to fight for the victories, but he's not able at the moment. He, his time will come, I'm pretty sure. Only six races left, but we know every year he's the one who is going better than the others at the end of uh, the championship. Uh, probably the only year that he wasn't that incredibly, even if it was really good, it was 2021 but because the fight at that moment in front was so intense but for the rest, Jeremy is always someone that uh, uh, put uh, make the difference at the end of the championship we will see this year it will be tough to end second this year because Romain is in a a great shape but don't forget that in motocross everything can change one day to to the other so uh, for Calvin, you said a lot with statistics and numbers. Uh, he's doing a fantastic season. Again, I, 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 I told you this uh, in the past. I don't see him in a factory team. Not because he don't deserve. He deserves completely. Results are talking for him. But I feel, in my opinion, that he's in the best spot possible at the moment. The lack of power, yes, is due to the new layout of the track as we said before those big bumps and big holes need a lot of power with the different flow, with a different sand surfing, power is not a key and you can you know uh, just override the, the lack of power and, and just go through uh, in a different way in this case, uh, yeah, probably the lack of power was a little bit uh, hurting uh, him because, uh, yeah but like, also, you know, uh Lockett has big uphills and stuff like that and he was able to win the moto. So, uh, yeah. uh I I read a little bit more frustration in his words than uh, uh, really a lack of power. But anyway, Forato, fantastic. Probably the... The, bad, the worst race of the year was Lockett, where everyone was expecting. I was talking with people saying, oh, maybe he can finally get this podium done in, in Lockett because hard pack, because and in fact, it was one of the worst race uh, due to the fact that he did both races and he went 12th overall. But uh, in, in Lommel, uh, I wasn't expecting to see him that good. And he was he was drifting with the bike on the, on the first corner at every lap, you know, first corner after the start, yeah. uh, what is three corners to the end in uh, during the race, uh, drifting with the with the bike in the sand, going deep with all his body in the like pushing, pushing with everything, even with with with, with uh, the hair. he know. <laughs> it was pushing with everything, really. Uh, you can clearly see that he won. To, to succeed and uh I think the six overall in, in Lommel uh, is a is a good reward uh, for your efforts.
0: Um I was gonna ask if is it... there any special preparation and you know catalyst for his such good performance in the sand because obviously it's not a surface a lot of Italians are particularly comfortable with and you know maybe him in the past too but it's very impressive mate. Was there any sort of factors you can point to yeah you know um a few years ago 20 years ago the Italian
1: riders uh, uh, at one uh, uh, really strong point, and this was the hard pack and the the where it was more difficult for them to to do good results was the sand. It was for everyone, and the Carly was one of the few at the beginning was feeling this and said, "Okay, Tony, you must to go there, uh, since and spend your winter there, and uh, probably suffer, probably uh, just uh, having a creep." winter in the sand with cold temperatures with but that's important that's the key uh, and he was right then tony became one of the best sand rider ever and tony was someone already coming from sicily with some good sand riding skills because tony was riding the beach races in sicily and was one of the best at, at his time already and he was like 13 14 years ago uh, 14 years old but not at the level of uh, the Dutch riders, the Belgian riders that uh, were eating uh, bread and sand at every breakfast, you know, so that's an Italian way to say it. <laughs> it's, you know, like when you're really smart, people asking you in Italy, what have you eaten
0: today for breakfast,
1: fox and bread? Yeah <laughs> so just.
0: I it noticed the that uh, Caroli said Adamo needed to go to yeah, Belgium and, and eat some sand when he described the uh, process of getting through <laughs> yeah. that surface. Yeah, so well said. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Adamo,
1: I have to say that he discovered also Frikandel, what is a special uh, fried food uh, from Holland that uh, he discovered this weekend with Tony. <laughs> so that was a uh, kind of uh, food exploration. But yeah, uh, so I think Alberto did a very good job during the winter time in Ariola. Uh, riding in the sand uh, since a couple of years uh, more than a couple probably and uh, the difference is again, physical power this track needs physical power and I, I tell you probably someone will laugh about but if Tony was racing this weekend, he could be in top five, not fighting for the podium I would want to be realistic but with his body the way he's training, the way he's riding. We saw some images on on his social uh, during the the, the week before Lommel. He could be in top five. Uh, Don't forget that uh, Jeremy Van Oerbeek, who is retired since one year, he was top seven Mm -hmm. and he was doing a fantastic job just using brain physics because he's training like before. He never uh give up on training uh since uh, he stopped uh, being a professional and technique power so that's that's the key and uh so riders who has a lot of physical power and uh, skills they know how where to put the, the wheels in the sand they they succeed in this weekend
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on Van Horbeek, I did an article yesterday on MX Vice, if anyone wants to read it, just since he's filled in, it's been very impressive, mate. Obviously, he's shook off the rust pretty well after Germany. He's just getting top 10s and almost like he was never away and you know, he's yes. making, that, making that standing construct Honda look really impressive. and It was cool to see has yeah. had a good, better result. And he said that he's been, you know, Van Horbeek's been doing some testing and getting the suspension into a better place. And just having that knowledge and expertise has definitely helped him, you know, after, you know, essentially being retired, even though he does the Pirelli test riding and this kind of stuff. So he still yeah. has that base, like you said, mate. But he's certainly been an asset. And I think he's going to do the last one in Finland this weekend and then he'll slot back into retirement. But yes. nothing short of impressive what he's doing, isn't it, mate? Yeah, absolutely I was talking with his
1: father and uh the the big news is that uh he's searching uh he's searching for a place for next year oh really <laughs> oh yes I was surprised as you now but uh yeah Jeremy is looking for a, for a good place for good money without a good bike without good money he will not accept any proposal proposal so don't know if he will find something. But still, I'm thinking about few of the even factory teams that needs a good second rider, and there are few. And he you knows some of the bikes uh, that are on the on on the gate quite well. One of, for example, one Italian bike, factory bike. There are not so many. He you knows it already, and maybe if he can do a good, if he can uh, sort out at the end a good financial deal. Is possible. I know that he never stopped training. As you said, he was testing. He was doing stuff. And you can clearly see nobody uh, can do so good. I was wrong. I was wrong last weekend when I said, we will see in Lomel. Jeremy Van Orebek, he was very good in uh, Lockett. But he's easier on the hard pack. pack. track would be a nightmare for him at the end of the moto. Will would be so tired. Uh, probably doesn't have uh, physical condition to finish the moto in a good way. I was completely wrong. Jeremy is probably the same fitness of most of the top riders at the moment. And he showed with his technique, his physical condition, he was able to, to, to score an incredible result during this weekend. So I will not uh, uh, give up completely on him uh, on the possibility to have a place next year in MXGP and to have a comeback. You know, most of the riders, when they're still young like he is, when they stop, it's because they're really stressed. They don't get used to good results. Then they stop for one year. And when they come back, even just for one race, uh, and they start feeling that a top 10 is a fantastic result, uh, uh, they change a little bit their mind. Because before, maybe to do a top 10 was like a, a failure because they wanted podium. Uh, but now, uh, for, for Jeremy, being able to be in a top five in the top 10, seventh overall that's a fantastic result with all the factory bikes that are around so something i think is moving in there and uh why not it's possible that we see him uh, coming back at the first
0: race of next year i hope so
1: because it's a good one
0: yeah it's an interesting obviously he did that he essentially missed half the season and just stepped back in in germany and you know straight into the top 10 and then he used that Indonesian break to really put some good fitness work in and build that base again, and then he's come out in the last two, and it's been really impressive. And just a couple of numbers on that, mate, you know picking up points in the qualifying races, two of the three. That's not an easy thing to do in MXGP. So no. many elite guys are not getting <laughs> points every weekend, and ended every moto inside the top ten except one for an average finish of eighth and secured a yeah, top ten. There was always 10. eight, 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 eight everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Top 10 overall in all the rounds. It's pretty impressive. And inside the top 10 in four of the six motos he's done. So it's pretty cool, mate. And just that, you know, having no burden of pressure and expectation, he's clearly relishing it, mate. And just... Wanted to get your take on the HRC guys. Obviously, Geiser, tough one. He burned his hand and he's obviously okay in the end, but not a great one. But the focus is purely 2024 for him, isn't it? More time under the belt. And it's probably pretty challenging doing back-to-back rounds and then another one coming just when you're coming back, mate. So he'll be happy to get that one out of the way. And then Fernandez, you know, got a whole shot, which is pretty cool for him. I know he's excited about that. And yeah, just <laughs> more building for him. He's just sort of steady. It's, it's nothing out of control. He's just picking up points, picking up experience. And he'll sort of, yeah, work towards a, another full salt on 24 as well, won't he?
1: Yeah, it's everything about a uh, comparison. If we do a comparison in between Fernandez and uh, um, Jeremy Van uh it, it was a disaster for, uh, for Ruben uh, yeah. the race. Because you are a factory rider on a HRC bike. Uh, you train and ride since the beginning of the season. You are not injured. You should be better, honestly. Uh, we should be better. That's no points on this. Uh, but anyway, he was able to do a decent race. He uh, was able to uh, end uh, both motors. He was able to, yeah, to, to bring back home uh, something. And that's important uh, always for a championship, for experience, for a ride. Uh, we go out to Finland, that would be not easy also. But still, there is this kind of bittersweet of... Uh, Jeremy Valore being better than you. Yeah. This yeah. nothing will uh, take out of my mind this thing. You know this. Uh, I'm thinking about this. On the other hand, uh, we saw an incredible uh, performance from Tim Geiser in uh, Locket, but we saw how hard it is to be ready to ride in Lommel once you're not riding the full season and mostly training in the sand for a while uh nothing to say about this I mean no no remarks on uh, on Tim geyser team did his best he never gave up he could stop because of the burn he made on his hand I don't want to uh uh, have a missing of respect on him in any way, but it was quite comical when you see him putting the hand on exactly on the exhaust in the way to just lift up himself. That was like, I mean, said, no, Jesus, no, <laughs> that's the worst place you can put your hand apart of the wheel when he's moving. But uh, unfortunately for him, luckily it wasn't that bad, but the first motto I think for him uh, was, uh, I don't know if you say in English, a uh, Calvary calvary. Uh, and yeah, it's like you have the cross on your shoulder and you have to go up the hill before they kill you because with, with a burn hand on that kind of track uh, without uh, that uh, incredible physical condition without training in the sand it should be I think the worst weekend of his life apart probably of uh, uh, Finland last year but then at the end of the race he got the title so he, at least it he, he was happy about this but anyway I don't want to really I love uh, Tim uh, Tim knows it uh, I have a lot of respect for him for what he do for his riding for what he achieved till now and he, for what he, he will achieve in the future but that was like uh, really uh, the, the a nightmare for him I think uh I appreciate a lot that he never give up that he was uh, at the gate of the second motto with his burn hand and he said that oh, wasn't that painful but he, he he was for me and uh and to say yeah I'm a, a, it was a good training I had to do it even if I wasn't ready to and next week was will be again a kind of nightmare probably less then Lommel, probably, depends about the sand, can be a little bit more flow. They put like half meter of new sand on the top of the track. Uh, So It could be a little bit different. I'm not an expert of Vanta. I wasn't there in 63, 70, blah, blah, when they started riding and I never compete there. Uh, I mean, with my riders. So I I really don't know. I know that Antipironen was uh, winning there with Honda in MX3 a few years ago. So it could be a nice gift uh, from uh, Romain, uh, uh, to to score the victory with MXGP. But a part of this, I have to say that uh, Tim showed again, once again, how humble he is, how good he is, and how much he wants to come back and to rebuild his condition. So, this was uh, a lesson for many of the riders, most of the youngest, uh, that sometimes they give up, uh, saying, No, oh, I'm not able to ride here. No, that's too tough for me. Ah, I have a painful finger. Look, this guy is five-time world champion. He could just stop and say, no, it's not. I don't want to take risk. I don't want to get injured again. I don't want, you know, many excuses can uh, come. He never used, he
0: always go. He finished the race, humble like he is, great as he is. Yeah, well said, mate. It just sort of reminds you of that uh, Kevin Horgmo dislocating the shoulder, putting it back in and keep going. They're sort of yeah. they're tough as these guys, tough as nails, and it's impressive to see. And, you know, for someone like Horgmo is looking to get in the team, that sort of stuff really endears you to team managers just to be able to fight through and the grit. But before we get on to MX2, the time's flying here, mate. Yeah, just a good one for Bogus to get back in the top 10. That's where it definitely belongs at a track that he won at last year. It was a yeah. great performance. It's almost like night and day his seasons, but... Do you see that standing construct team staying the same for next year? And uh, do we see maybe a Glenn Koldenhoff entering the fray there? And obviously, before we wrap up MXGP, good to see Watson having a pretty good weekend and guys like Spees, Patcheril and Coolis. How good were Koulis' starts, mate? He was flying out of the gate and showed his stuff on the sand because that's where he really excels, is it? <laughs> I was
1: talking with Ari, you know, at the beginning of uh, the second month and I said, so, will you get this old shot or not? Because you are trying so hard every time to to score an old shot, but you never do. So and he was laughing and said, "You know, I'm doing my best." I said, "Yeah, I know. I know for sure. It's not easy, but uh, I was able to start in the top three in every time. You know, like qualifying moto, first moto, second moto. He's a great sand rider. Uh, he's a nice guy. He's a little bit shy, but always smiling. Uh, uh, I hope he will ride also in uh, East Finland as." Uh, it's, uh, it's one of the plays that he for sure know better than uh, any other side. Who knows? Maybe he will get an old shot there. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's a good guy and he was doing a pretty well job. Uh, for what, Sir Paturel unfortunately he broke uh, the bike uh, uh Probably Saturday during qualifying moto. Uh, I, don't, I saw wow. him. I was with him. Uh, so probably Saturday. But anyway, uh, he was able to to put on another good weekend. Uh, not the best he, he will uh, uh, hope for, as he had also special gear made from shot with yellow stuff, yellow bike. That was really cool. But anyway, it was a good weekend also for for the rest of the field. For Bogers, uh, it was good. It was really good uh, in, in practice. It was really good. You can see, but uh, it's it's so strange that uh, someone that uh, is living his worst season, probably since a couple of seasons, uh, maybe more, and was just able to do good, a good race, and and be in the top, uh, in the top ten, uh, just in this moment. Uh, I hope the momentum uh, will uh, uh, he will keep the momentum also in Finland, but. Uh, Honestly, season is not that good. Uh, he's a good tester, very good tester. He was used by KTM for a long, long time uh, just to have a good feedback on the 450. And uh, and he's a guy who knows uh, very well uh, how to ride. Uh, he has one of the best coaches out there. That is uh, the father of his wife uh, uh, and um, John Van den Berg. And, uh, and so, for sure, he has everything, you know. What about the standing contra- construct team for the next season? I don't know honestly. Uh, Jonas is uh, at the moment a, a new object uh, as uh, it's uh, just flying around the team, uh, getting uh, injured at every time. It's uh, it's painful to see such a talented uh, young rider being in uh, in trouble in this way. You know, in this moment of the season, and this is going on since the beginning of the year. So. It's a shame. I hope that he will uh, find a good deal for next year. I don't know if they will remain there or not. Uh, On the paper, it looks like a good formation, you know, a good team, uh, but good bike, good team, good riders. I will not change so much because, but, you know, when some youngest rider coming from MX2 or stuff like that, uh, maybe approaching you, yeah. Uh, for what concerns Glenn, I know that he's looking around, he's searching for, he asked already to few factory team also, to, but he's asking for a lot of money, he's a super professional rider, so he knows his value, and he's putting on the table what he wants, and for many of those teams it's too much at the moment for a second rider, so he has to wait a little bit to see what is happening, probably prices would go a little bit down, but... Uh, we'll see about Sandy. construct, of course. We'll
0: see, yeah, it's going to be interesting, mate. And just a couple of words on Watson, maybe for the British audience. It was great to see him back out there because you know he belongs in the top 10 and he's got all the skills to be a major force in that class, doesn't he, mate? Yeah,
1: it's not, uh, it's not uh, something that surprised, uh, to see him doing well in the sand as is his favorite, yeah. uh, surface, every favorite, favorite soil. Um, uh, I'm uh it's a shame that Alessandro is getting injured often because uh, uh, together they were doing very well. And I think they were pushing each other. They were uh, really making the team, you know. Uh, and at the moment, it's a little bit like alone. He did well. Uh, I hope he will do again in Finland in the same way. Uh, I don't know, because uh, I, I like a lot this kid. Uh, it's um, it's a great one, uh, uh, very nice character, very humble person, uh, maybe sometimes too much polite also on the track. Uh, but he's someone that really deserves uh, another uh, another uh, opportunity. So I hope that um, they will keep him for next year. I don't know. As I don't know if Alessandro will uh, continue. A mm, couple of months ago, I, I could say yes, for sure he will. Now, uh, some of the physical problem he, he got after the crash in uh, in Indonesia, some of the stuff like that, maybe in his mind are like going a little bit more far. And thinking why I'm doing still this uh, uh, at my age is not that old. Huh? I can I can tell you it's not that old, but he, he's racing since ever. It looks like so. Uh, I don't know. We we have to say to see what kind of decision he will uh, take, and then. Uh, we will uh, we'll say, for sure, to me, if he goes on at the moment racing next year, he stays where he is. If uh, not, but he will continue, maybe he will change for an Italian brand, another one that is not racing next year, but he will come in 2025. I think that I said everything. I can say Ducati it was easier and uh, and faster. But, uh, <laughs> but still he still the suspense. <laughs> yes <laughs> it it, it would be great i mean uh, to see alessandro on a ducati and not in uh, superbike or moto gp but in motocross yeah. i still have to be used to eh? when i say ducati racing uh, say okay What they do with the slick tire in in motocross, but in fact, uh, they will do a motocross bike. I have to put this in my mind Ducati will do motocross bike. I will repeat this every morning when I wake up. (laughs) Okay, Ed, say with me
0: Ducati will do (laughs) motocross bikes. Ducati will do motocross bikes, mate, and it's coming. Oh, you are doing pretty exciting. yes. (laughs) Yes, you are
1: doing pretty well. Even from the other side of the world in Australia, they know that Ducati will do motocross bike i want to see a render but a real one i don't want to see yeah. the design made by the designer <laughs> yeah. on instagram i want to see a project you know only one year and a half before we see the biker riding competing uh, maybe international in italia with me yeah. in the pit lane you know talking with, with, with team manager with riders say how is to ride the red beast uh, in the. Yeah. no I, I have only to
0: imagine why i want to know more Well, that that I remember that series you were doing the English broadcast as well with Paul Malin, so that would be a good little precursor to the full season to give it a run out there, mate. But before we sort of wrap it up, we've thrown over an hour now. But, yeah, MX2, mate, Yago was, yeah, perfect weekend, third 60-point round of the year. So he was pretty flawless, mate. You couldn't really fault that ride. He just did what he had to do, just so comfortable. And, yeah, it was a class above. And, yeah, talk about his title rival, Andre had had a bit of a weekend to forget, even though his riding was actually quite good, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, if I think about
1: Yago, uh, the only comment I can do is like, I mean, what do you want to say about a guy who is always on top, on top in a qualifying mode, on top in a race one, on top in a race two, started first always? It's okay. I mean, uh I think that in the year where it was more difficult to succeed, he will succeed at the end. His riding is a little bit higher than anybody else at the moment in mx2 he's showing that he's doing pretty pretty well the bike is fantastic the team is doing a fantastic job with him uh so i think he of course he deserved what he did and he did very not easily because uh he had always like this lucas coin and uh, on the shoulders, you know, that wanted to to succeed. It was amazing to see Lucas at the end of uh, the weekend on the podium with like a disappointed face uh, because the minister of the sport was there and he was like looking at the crowds and everything. Look, I'm already more popular than Niago Gertz. I'm my first year in mix 2 and it's like this, believe me. And I didn't win. Why I didn't win? I should win. It's easy. You just need to be faster. Fastest than anybody else, and you see from his face that in his mind he's already the fastest. Uh, It's amazing when you see guys like that. It's like talking about uh, the Lawrence Brothers, it's like talking about Erlings when he was young. Those guys are different. Uh, We have to, um, okay. Now I will say something that put me in trouble, I'm I'm sure, because people will misunderstand and will think, Ah, you just talk because you are not on the bike. Iago Gertz is an incredible rider. He's doing a fantastic job. He has some skills that nobody else has. He has a speed that at the moment nobody has in MX2. This kid will go in MXGP. He will succeed. And I'm pretty sure that one day he will win before a title in MX2 this year. And one day he will win in MXGP. We saw him riding in Red Bud and it was just great. But when you, it's difficult to get passionate about uh, Iago Gertz. When you see this really nice kid, believe me, he's such a polite kid. Uh, he has a great family behind him. The father was the mechanic of Marnik Berwerts, uh, Passionate about motocross. They put everything in motocross. Everything they had. But he's like uh, another rider that I love, Steven Ramon. You cannot be passionate about Steven Ramon. You cannot be like, uh, you know there are riders that are different Uh, steve uh, won two titles Uh, he's one of the greatest uh, rider ever probably but he never put on fire the spectators uh, if you know what i mean you take one guy like lucas is his first half season in a mix two. people are already getting crazy uh, about him because there is a different uh, kind of feeling that you have with these kind of riders. And and you see 15, 16 years old, 16 years old kid. First year is the rookie out there. Second in Lommel. First time he was riding a race in Lommel and he's disappointed. He's looking around like, why am I not on the first step?
0: So this give you the value of this rider. Everyone it was like else. impressive with his home GP as well, how sort of cold and unaffected by everything <laughs> he is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else could be, you know, just just happy about.
1: And it was like he went on the podium with, with open arms saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He was with the minister of the sport and he wanted to say, Look, yeah, this guy won, but I, I am Lucas Cohen and, you know, you he will, he will hear about me in future. And he, Everyone will know about him in future. Both sides of the oceans, uh, nations, whatever. So it's uh, it, it it was great what he did. So first of all, Iago did a perfect weekend. Uh, was able to recover a lot of points. From forty to thirteen is a lot of points. Twenty seven points uh, uh, in 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 one GP. Uh, it's it's a lot. Andrea honestly showed that he did an incre- incredible, impressive uh, step up in the sand. He was riding pretty well. He was second uh, behind uh, Simon Lagenfelder just for 12 thousands of seconds in the practice. What is in Lommel? Nothing. You know, is nothing. Is a spoon of sand, probably. Yeah. 12 uh, thousands of seconds. It's nothing. Uh, the British would say nothing. Okay? Yeah. And it's but he, he was riding pretty well. qualifying moto. Fourth. That's great. Who, who wants more from Andrea in the sand? Uh, Sicilian poor kids uh, coming in the factory team, leading with a red plate. It's great, Andrea. Fantastic. First moto. What did he do, the first moto? Fourth. Stop. Fantastic. Great. Probably everyone was saying, the tip, we shall do just this in the second moto and we're okay. And that was a disaster. Bad start, crash, uh, almost like a second moto in locket. So it's already two second moto in a row that are going uh, bad. well I have to say, Finland would not be easy. Will he save the red plate in Finland? Who knows? Nobody. Nobody. Probably me. We know. Don't know. I want to say nothing because we in Italy are really superstitious. So better to don't say nothing about this. I hope it will save it just for the championship. I love the kid. I love uh, the ambient. I love Tony. So uh, I hope uh, they will uh, go on because then a few different races are coming. And this will be really interesting because, uh, uh, of course, Udevalla, it's uh, probably the middle in between both. Maggiora, Maggiora, with a lot of Italian crowds on this kind of track, with hard pack, we gotta see. I'm really sorry for Kai the Wolf, because Kai, once again, it was uh, uh, like a few centimeters from the paradise. It uh, was coming back, he was strong, he was good. Wednesday, he had a bad crash, he was injured, he had another bad crash in the... At the start of the first moto and then he gives up and he, he cannot ride in uh, Finland like his teammate uh, van de yeah. and that's a that's a big shame honestly because uh, we lose one of the title contenders one of the few that were looking in one point of the season like the best rider out there and and, and it's a it's always a shame when we lose uh, a title contender it's a shame always when we lose one good rider from the track. But the title contender, even a little bit more.
0: Because, yeah, same uh, as Beneston. Not... He had his issue in Lockett and that you know, like qualifying crash. And now he's there just dropping week by week. It's sad to see, isn't
1: it? Yeah, he was just trying. Lommel was an easy. Lommel was really physical. When you have pain in the back, pain in the ribs, I think that there's nothing yeah. worse than Lommel. And mentally, is too demanding, you know. So I don't know if he will come to um, Finland. If he will, it will be tough again. Anyway, title fight is gone. Then only two riders that can fight for the title. One is Italian. Another one is Belgian. The Belgian is the most experienced. He uh, was there since a lot. Is there since a lot. He uh, went second, I don't know, three, four years in a row he never one uh, is really hungry for the other one I'm pretty sure that Andrea is learning a lot and uh, if he's smarter enough as he, I think he is he's building up the next season uh, and uh, the next fight, or, fight for the title as uh, managing with those kind of this kind of pressure at the moment managing with this kind of ambient uh, managing with this kind of uh, Uh, um, of course uh, uh, title contender is not easy and even if you lose you can learn a lot and i'm pretty sure with the people he has around uh, uh, he will learn he will uh, they will teach him very well and he will uh, become stronger even if he will not win it's a little like when we said the first time he had the red plate. Um, was really useful this red plate or was more a problem, a trouble for him? Probably in that moment was more a trouble, more a problem for him. But if you use in a good way,
0: uh, it can be also really good in the future, a good experience. Yeah, mate. It's a fascinating class as we sort of head into that final oh, yes. stretch and just give us a thoughts on Simon Langenfeld. How impressive was he on minimal sand prep, mate? he's kind of still coming back from injury, really. So what he's doing, he's yeah. gonna be such a force next year. And yeah, a couple of other guys that probably deserve a mention at Elzinger. Spoke to him yesterday. It's all sort of coming together. He's doing great work training with Eggins, all encompassing program, mental, physical, technical. He's had his injury issues with the collarbone. He's had some stomach issues like in Indonesia. And even before he went to Indonesia, he was sick as well. So just good to see him back up there. And that fifth and the second roto was a great sort of boost of momentum for him. And a couple of guys you know well, mate, Van Erpen and Bonacorsi and Zanke are all doing themselves pretty proud too. And yeah, Horgmo, another solid effort, wasn't it?
1: yeah uh, simon was just happy simon was smiling was happy uh, the happiest probably on track even looking more happy than uh, than iago uh he want he wanted to try to go for more he was the fastest uh, in practice uh, he was uh, one of the fastest on track he had a good start uh, but he, he was measuring his speed uh, alongside with iago and with lucas and you you could see that at the end of the motos, could not resist uh, to the comeback of uh, of Lucas. He uh, could not just uh, uh, keep the same pace of the first riders. But uh, I asked him in the press conference, as I was really curious, how many times did you rode in the sand before Lommel? And it was one only time. What made me crazy? Because uh, if I ride 10 years in the sand, I will not be able to make one lap. With one time riding this year in the sand, since the beginning of the season, he was able to be on the podium in Lommel. This says a lot about his condition, his physical condition, his mental condition, his bike also. Uh, Simon is a great person, he's a fantastic guy. Uh, is a simple person. It's an easy one. Uh, there's not so many things. You see him, uh, don't, you don't have the same probably equivalent in uh, Australia, but uh, he has a Fiat. Uh, Fiorino pickup, what is a little, little, little pickup yeah. from the Fiat that uh, in our region, for example, uh, the shepherd, the, the shepherd used for uh, going around with, you know, the dogs and the sheep and, and uh, uh, it's, it's and it's just happy, happy to be there. there is grateful when you see someone that is happy and is grateful and is training hard and he's doing what everything he needs. Uh, he do well because uh, everything comes together. Um, we will see what happened in uh, Finland, maybe. I know the podium is uh, coming from him, and and I hope so. I hope so for him. Uh, for the rest, yeah, Rick was doing very well. Uh, finally, as the uh, qualifying race wasn't probably the best one. First moto was okay. Second moto was much better. Don't forget that this kid. Is European champion in charge of the EMX 250, the class who is delivering the most of the champions or the good riders out there at the moment. He was the one, one of the few to beat the uh, Kunen brothers, even if. It's from middle season on, he wasn't able to beat any uh, any of uh, the Lucas Kunen uh, on track because uh, Lucas was winning seven out of eight motos uh, at the end of the, the championship. But still, you can see that there is a kind of difference in between uh, Rick and Lucas, for example, what I told you before. Uh, one is uh, a champion. The other one is an outstanding champion, is an outstanding rider. Uh, Rick is a champion. He won uh, the title uh, in EMX uh, 250. He did a good job. Uh, He's learning, he's growing. Uh, What happened in uh, Locket is already behind the shoulder and it's really important at this age to go on and to to do your job and to keep going. and he did it.
0: Uh, so well done and hat off for the team and for himself for what he did. He did it. And also, he ride. had a lot of your sort of anxiety and mental problems at the start of the year, adapting to the class and the pressure. So it's cool to see someone come yeah. through that too, isn't it? Yeah. In, in fact, it's something that I cannot
1: understand completely. I mean, you are coming in one of the best team and that can uh, create some of the pressure, but you are not the top rider. People are not expecting from you to be on top. You have two. Very good teammates. Probably one is the best uh, of the class, of the category. And it's Iago, the other one is one of the best. He won before you the MX250, MX125 uh, title. And is uh, already a GP winner. So to me, in this kind of situation, uh, is the best one for a young rider. Because nobody's pointing on you to expect results. You have the time to learn. You have the time... The, the, the problem is when you are really young and uh, something happened and you are in front, uh, you know, your teammate is getting hurt and it's up to you, like we saw with Ruben Fernandez, uh, like we saw with Andrea uh, um, Andrea Adamo that uh, found himself uh, leading the series uh, while nobody was expecting at the beginning of the year. Uh, stuff like that. But when you start a new championship, uh, you are... Uh, of course, reigning champion of EMX 250, but you are a rookie. I think it's a good situation uh, to you know that you have your place. You know that you have it probably from the year after. Also, nobody is expecting at the beginning too much from you. So, but still, he was putting probably a lot of pressure on himself. Some little injuries happened, some sickness happened, and it didn't is uh, season that easy. Uh, but still, I was happy to see, for example, Andrea Bonacorsi doing very well. Unfortunately for him, he had an in, uh, a problem with the bike, and uh, second moto he had a, a a huge crash with another rider. Uh, he was uh, uh, um, not injured likely, but uh, he had, pro- had a problem with a hand, and he was forced to go away with the ambulance. But nothing is broken, so that's already a very good. Uh, uh, uh things to Uh, but still, Andrea was re- able to to put on very good laps and to be there in top, like Ferruccio when he started a second yeah. moto in the uh, in front was able to ride in very well. Uh, I don't know at the moment, and that's a uh, luck from 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 myself from my preparation. What about Tomac and Rossi that was injured in uh, uh, Locket? Uh, if everything is okay, if he's just recovering. I don't know if the shoulder is perfect, Is he needs some, uh, uh, some kind of surgery. I don't know. So it's a, it's a lack from me. Uh, but Ferruccio was doing pretty well and that's really important, I think.
0: Yeah, it's cool to see those guys out there and mixing it up and testing themselves again because, yeah, there's a bit of a gap in that schedule and it's good to fill the void by doing some of these races just yeah. to keep up to up to speed. And any final thoughts from Lommel in MX2 or MXGP, mate? But yeah, before we sort of go into the Finland predictions, are you going and are you excited? And in terms of my predictions, it's hard to really think it's going to be not more of the same, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that for. I mean, MX2, we we said on, almost everything. Uh, what uh, uh, what we had to say uh, for what concern Finland, uh, we don't know the track, uh, but uh, we cannot expect something really, really different compared to Ivinka for example, or Huvinka, like they say, the Finnish. Uh, it's near by the, the airport, as I know, because everything is quite easy uh, from uh, from the airport. Uh, we know that uh, Finland, the tracks are always in sand. As I said to you, I was speaking with uh, Antipirolen, they said that they uh, took their uh, approximately 50 centimetres of sand on the top uh, of all uh, uh, track, it would be a send one. Uh, Iago Gertz, Roman Fevre, Jorge Prado. Those are the names, uh, of course. Uh, um, Glenn Coldenoff uh, uh, can uh, can perform very well. Uh, I could expect a podium from Calvin Vlander. And also, I have to say how much uh, Sewer want to uh cancel uh, Lommel and uh, go on the podium in front of his teammate, for example. Stuff like that. For the rest, uh, it would be important for Andrea to keep it cool, to keep it quite cool. It would be easy because it would be like thirty degree, uh, 20 degrees maximum uh, with uh, uh, kind of average of temperature uh, of Northern Europe that are not so high. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't expect that much, a lot of uh, surprises. Uh, that's what is for sure, that to send specialists like Ron Van most Mostaik and kind of Wolf are um, home uh, recovering, so at least one spot of the podium is free for someone. Lucas is doing pretty well. Uh, Simon also. The rest of the field is a little bit a little bit far from those three riders.
0: And now yeah, anything you like to share on silly season or just any sort of final thoughts, mate? And I'll do the sponsor reads and we'll wrap it up because it's gone a bit too fast and a bit too long over your sort of schedule here, mate. <laughs>
1: I think that I said uh, even too much at the beginning of the podcast uh, while I was saying uh, a lot about uh, what is going around with teams and riders. Uh, Nothing take out of my mind that Jeremy is already green for next year. Uh, Looks like he's sure but I was trying to talk with uh, Antti and he wasn't happy at all that uh, we were talking about this. So we'll see. I mean uh, It's not too early because uh, uh, we have only six GP left in the season uh, out of 19, what is a lot. Uh, So mm, it's not too early to talk about those things. It's uh, already time to know what are the teams for next season.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, mate. Thank you again for your time, mate. And before we let you go, I'll just thank the sponsors in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch, and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at AS3 Performance, mate. And fittingly, Kawasaki Motors UK. We're pleased to announce the arrival of the KLX 140R range. The easy-to-ride 140R lineup offers 144cc engine plus suspension and push-button electric start making for great trailblazers. The KLX 140R machines come in three different sizes, ranging from junior's first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. The highly regarded KLX 140R range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment in 2023. Contact your local off-road dealership for more information. All right. Thanks, Lorenzo, for joining us again, mate. It's been another cracking episode full of insight and great knowledge that you bring. So all the best for the week, and we look forward to catching up next week.
1: For sure, mate. Thanks a lot to you too. Uh, It was always a pleasure and a big honour to be here on the Mix Vice podcast uh, talking on the other side of the world uh, from you, so Australia, Italy that's uh this connection is make me always like being a little bit like you know emotional because we are like twenty thousand kilometers distance and we talk in this meantime looking each other so uh thank you i hope it will be a fantastic weekend just one word more if you let me have like one minute Uh, i was uh honored uh, to be invited personally, from Giuseppe Luongo to the 40th anniversary of uh, the G.L.O. organization, Giuseppe Luongo organization, or uh, action group, uh, or uh, Infront, uh, or uh, uh, Ustream, uh, as you want to call it. Uh, there is always one name behind, and his name is Giuseppe Luongo. I was personally inside my mind uh, celebrating my first 20 years in motocross. There's not a lot because uh, all my colleagues are older than me and much more experienced than me. But uh, I collected a lot of uh, different experience in uh, motocross through the years. I went there as a cook. Uh, I was a chef cooking for the riders in in 2004. I wasn't talking uh, a word of English uh, and uh, I was just there to uh, see the world, to travel the world. 20 years after, I'm still there. I'm still the same person. I'm uh, doing my little things uh, or my sheets, as they they say. And uh, I'm trying to always do my best uh, as it was a a plate of uh, pasta. Um, But Giuseppe, um, that day when I met him, was in Zolder 2004. It was the first GP for Ustream as an organization, and it was the first GP for me and the first GP for another young rider that uh, will write some of the most uh, incredible pages of our sport, that was Tony Cairoli. And uh, so that uh, Zolder Grand Prix, in my experience, in my life, uh, was uh, really a, a key point, a turning point for a lot of things in uh, uh, in the history of this sport. Not, of course, because I was there, eh, but because it was the first GP of uh, in front of uh, Ustream and of Tony Cairoli. 20 years after, uh, we were seated uh, uh, closely. Uh, I had the chance to say thank you to Mr. Luongo. And uh, he was changing our sport forever. Uh, because uh, before him, motocross was different. Today, Motocross as we knew it, we know it uh, and we live it and uh, uh, we work on it uh, is because there was one Mr. Giuseppe Luongo uh, on our uh, uh, road. So uh, thanks again to Giuseppe and uh, for what he did, uh, also personally for me. It was a big honor to be there and to celebrating together. As before I did for his 25th anniversary and 30th anniversary, this time was 40. I don't know if I will be there for the 50th, but who knows? I hope so.
0: Thank you. Well said, that's a good note to end on, and all the best, and we'll speak soon. Ciao.